0: Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. Welcome to KPFK's Morning Mix Radio Magazine. Coming up is Voices from the Frontlines with Eric Mann. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. So good morning, everybody. Thank you for that wake up. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. Today we're going to have, a, a, we think, a really good show. We're going to start with the headlines from Amy Goodman, and then I will comment on the headlines. Then we're going to have an interview with David Montkawa, like me, an OG with long revolutionary history, in his case, in the Asian Pacific Islander movement. Then you're going to hear my version of Perfect... By Ed Sheeran, where I'm singing, and then we're going to be talking to Channing Martinez, always on the front lines, about the fight inside the schools against colonial education. So should be a really good show. Let's start with some up upbeat music from Julian Lamb and start shaking things, and then we'll have a show. you're in your living room, if you're in your car, in your yard, in your wheelchair, wherever you are, get up, in whatever form get up means, and dance with us. That began the wake-up process. If you didn't already, with with Margaret. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to use the Amy Goodman headlines, and then I'm going to do news commentary on Amy's headlines. So, with that, Gary, let's hear like seven minutes of Amy's Amy Goodman's headlines of Welcome the day.
1: To the Democracy Now! DemocracyNow.org. The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. President Joe Biden has approved a massive ConocoPhillips oil and gas development in Alaska. The $7 billion Willow project is expected to produce 180,000 barrels of oil per day, adding some 240 million metric tons of greenhouse gas pollution to the atmosphere over 30 years. Some of Biden's fellow Democrats, including Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, blasted the decision... Saying it, quote, leaves an oil stain on the administration's climate accomplishments and the president's commitment not to permit new oil and gas drilling on federal land, unquote. This is Kristen Mansell, senior attorney with the Center for Biological Diversity. I think he is trying to appease the Alaska delegation and you know fossil fuel cronies in in Congress. And that's incredibly disappointing to see. We don't have time to compromise when it comes to addressing the climate crisis. Biden can't have his cake and and eat it too, when it comes to handling what is an existential, To see our interview on The Willow Project, go to democracynow.org. In Southern Africa, more than 100 people have been killed in Malawi and Mozambique after Cyclone Freddy brought high winds and heavy rain to the region. Most of the dead were Malawi's commercial capital, Blantyre, where overnight mudslides washed away homes and buried sleeping residents. It was
2: too bad in the night, but now that it is daytime, I can feel the loss. I have never seen something as terrible as this. My neighbors' houses are all gone. The family members are gone. They are missing. In some instances, the father is alive, but the wife and the children are gone.
1: Cyclone Freddie was one of the strongest storms ever recorded in the southern hemisphere and the longest-lasting tropical cyclone on record. It made landfall for a second time as scientists with the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change met in Switzerland to finalize its policy document for shaping climate action over the rest of the decade. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres addressed IPCC delegates by video.
0: This will be the first comprehensive IPCC report in nine years and the first since the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. It could not come at a more pivotal time. Our world is at a crossroads and our planet is in the crosshairs. We are nearing the point of no return, of overshooting the internationally agreed limit of 1.5 degrees Celsius of global
3: warming. We are at the tip of a tipping point.
1: Brazil's National Space Agency warns in a new report that deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon hit a new record high for the month of February last month. About 124 square miles of rainforest cover was destroyed, despite efforts by newly inaugurated President Luís Inácio Lula da Silva to reverse rampant deforestation that was encouraged by his predecessor, Jair Bolsonaro. This is Romulo Batista with Greenpeace Brazil.
2: We just left behind a government that supports deforestation and completely abandoned actions to control it. As long as the enforcement and control do not reach the entire region, illegal deforestations may exploit that to ramp up the deforestation.
1: President Biden sought Monday to shore up confidence in the U.S. banking system after the rapid collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank sparked investor panic. They were the second and third largest bank failures in U.S. history. On Monday, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren demanded a federal probe into potential insider trading by executives at the failed banks and called on U.S. regulators to claw back six figure bonuses paid to managing directors at SVB just hours before its collapse Friday. We'll have more on this story after headlines.
0: Well, that's enough to get your head around, huh? Uh, let me try. Uh, thank you, Amy. And she does these really great, as you know, like three sentence, four sentence stories as headlines. So you know what a mess. And oh, first of all, uh, is it? Uh, I'm really sorry, Gary, Was it Chewbacca Hill? How do you say that on Global Village? Who did that song? Mm-hmm. Judith Hill, bad, amazing version of uh, it's a Man's World." And that's on 11 o'clock today, right? I know. I know with you. That's why I asked you. Okay, right. That sounds great. Okay. So let's start with Joe Biden. You know, there's a lot of former socialists and communists, and I don't mind about the Democrats, but they're really trying to act like reforming the Democratic Party is possible. So they do Trump, 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 Trump. But Biden, 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 Biden is pretty terrible. So do you understand? He's now agreed to Alaskan oil drilling right in the Arctic. Uh, He leaves an oil station, and there's supposed to be no new drilling on federal land. Now, there are forces in Alaska that would want this for obvious short-term reasons, but it just shows the limits again of our system, where the President of the United States can't even just say anything like, no, we're not going to have all drilling there. One, because there's our movement, Bus Riders Union, calling for no cars, no A, has been met with a cold shoulder, I can assure you. Oh, yeah, no cars, no A. MTA is killing their mass transit system by 50%, so you can't even take the bus, because the bus doesn't even show up. So for 30 years, we've been saying double and triple the bus system, bus-only lanes, bus-only highways, bus-only rush hours, bus-only days, meaning some days the whole place is closed. But the MTA, which is one of the the worst abusers of this, is going to continue to build rail lines. And we have to get Karen Bass with four votes to start voting for no more rail, cut the rail, Bus only lanes, free public transportation, uh, 2, 000, 2 million hours of new service, and 1,000 000, zero electric vehicles. So, folks, don't get upset at Joe Biden. Just get upset at, the, or do stay there. But you better know that Joe Biden lives inside the MTA. Joe Biden lives inside the LAPD. Joe Biden is the Democratic Party, a center right anti-environmental, anti-black president. The question for you is, will you join 213-387-2800? That's not the money for KPFK. That's the strategy center. 213-387-2800 to build an alternative to democratic ecological catastrophe. Uh, Then I really want you to understand about, on Malawi, mudslides, cyclones. Um, Again, I mean, we really have. We are an environmental climate justice group. The emissions that are taking place into the air, that are doing the global warming, are causing drought and flooding and famine in Africa. The drought, of course, takes away all the moisture out of the ground. Many things can't grow, but then when the rain comes, they come at torrential proportions because they can't hold the topsoil because it's just sand. So, again, folks, have a good time in your car, but don't act like, gee, I wonder what's happening in Malawi or I wonder what happened in, in Alaska. You are part of the problem. Call us at 213 387 2800 if you want to get a get a, uh, involved, want to get alive, and keep drinking your coffee and get me a cup. Um, This IPC thing, I'm going to read right away, Uh, um, I think it's the Intergovernmental, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Let me explain that to you. This is a very conservative document that always has the most radical conclusions, which is they bring together all the scientists. And this is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your National Movement Building Show, Wake Up and Smell the Revolution. You're on KPFK 90.7 FM, in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM, in Santa Barbara, streaming on the web at kpfk.org. And check us out at voicesfromthefrontlines.com. So the IPCC is a coalition of all the scientists in the world And they all sort of vote on a series of scenarios. Like they say, if this happens, there is a profound possibility of change, a large possibility of change, a moderate possibility, a small possibility, and none. Increasingly, there are no climate deniers in the IPCC. They are saying we're on the tipping point of the tipping point. But let me go back to the other thing. The biggest problem is voices, listeners, because what's the point of listening to all this? See, at the strategy center, everything I hear, I got to do something about. And too many of you, everything you hear, it's like, yeah, that was good. I'm going to talk about that today, but I don't plan to do anything about it. If you want to do something about it, the number is one two three four five six seven. I'll give you a hint: two one three three eight seven. 2800, and we actually are going to be working on no cars, no way, free public transportation, 2 million additional service hours to get people in on the buses and out of the cars, and a thousand electric vehicles to reduce the emissions. But the worst emissions are from the cars. And if the MT wants to cut half a service, I know no one but the most transit-dependent person who will be riding the the buses that never show up on time. So they said it's near the tip of a tipping point. Ah, boy. Then Lula, um, what an amazing man he is. He's in Brazil. He's trying to deal with illegal deforestation. But you have to understand that on, under Bolsonaro and the other fascists, they have structures in place to tear down the, the forest. They're, they're armed forces. They kill environmental people. They kill anybody who goes near them. It's not like Lula's going to come in now and say, hey, hey, I'm the new red president. I need you to really stop this drilling. I need you to stop this cutting. They will ambush the army. They will continue to do so. So then Lula is faced with the dilemma of is he going to bring in the troops, which he should. And then, of course, they'll say, see, the United States Information Agency will say, see, they are bringing in the troops to protect the trees, and that's why we don't want socialism. And, of course, our answer is, well, you don't bring in the troops to protect black people. You don't bring in the troops to protect our trees. You don't bring in the troops to do anything but arrest people. But in a revolutionary government, the army can play a progressive role in cracking down on all the polluters. And finally, Elizabeth Warren, just get off it. Please, please, we have to regulate the banks, Elizabeth. Hmm, great point. You were there in 2008. You trot it out, and you always say, well, we have to crack down. And then you focus on their bonuses. That's so bad populism. I mean, these are rich, rich people who give each other bonuses. That's not the problem. The problem is the banking system is a house of cards. So when you focus on the bonuses, so what if they didn't get bonuses? They made a series of unsecured investments in a crypto bank that was um, funding almost all the crypto companies, and then they had a run on deposits and they are crashing. So Elizabeth Warren comes late to the fire, and she always comes with a water pistol and says, look at me, I'm Elizabeth Warren. Not one of my favorites. Okay, that's Amy Goodman on the news, Eric Mann on Amy Goodman on the news. So, uh, Gary, could you just do any musical outro for a minute, and then we'll come back with David Monkawa.
3: This
0: is a man's world This is a man's to out, out, Brown, James Brown, but Judith Hill did it, and that's an amazing song, and Gary Baca is going to be on 11 o'clock with Global Village, I'll be listening. So now we're going to get to one of the voices from the front lines. Now, you know, this show is called Voices from the Front Lines. Notice it's not called Voices from the Rocking Chair, it's not called Voices from the Couch, It's not called Voices from the Talking Heads. The only people allowed on this show are people who are making history now. So if you're going to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you don't really need to hear more anti-capitalist exposure that you already know. Our show is trying to make you optimistic that people are out there doing things. So I'm on the phone now with David Moncala, who's an old friend and comrade of mine. I'll decide he will out himself as much as he choose to, then I'll out him a little bit more or out myself. But we're revolutionaries. We've been, the one thing is he, he'll tell you where he came before War Kuhn, one of the great, successful uh, mass revolutionary Asian Pacific Islanders uh, organizations in the late 60s and 70s. We just saw him at a terrific event at the Strategy and Soul Movement Center where David put together, along with Amina and several other people, this great event with the Nation of Islam, with OGs from the Asian Pacific Islander movement like David, and a cool group of people called AWA, uh, Asians with Attitude. David Moncala, very happy to have you on Voices from the Frontlines. Thank
3: you very much, Eric. Happy to be here with you.
0: So tell us a little bit about you, you did some really good stuff about growing up in South Central as a Japanese American. But why don't you tell us, like, maybe three turning points in your consciousness, right? That you walk in, you're, you know, everybody pretty much starts out as part of the system mentally. And then the first light bulb goes off, and then the second, and by the third, you see yourself in opposition to the system. Why don't you tell us a couple of your light bulbs?
3: One light bulb was um, getting evicted from my house on 29th Street and Norton Avenue, Tenzhou District. Yeah. My dad was a gardener, and I went to work with him, and he had um, kidney stone problems. He couldn't uh, function. So the uh, customer had to call the hospital. He had emergency surgery on kidney stones. I didn't know at the time. I was very little, and uh, I was about uh, 12 years old, and I didn't know what happened. But I knew that uh, the next thing we know, several months later, we're getting kicked out of our house. Right, right. And 50 years later, I found out that it was because he couldn't pay for the surgery. Oh, God. Um, that was one, okay. and, uh, you know, the, the eviction led to a lot of things. The second one was the Watts Rebellion. I was, You know, I I saw people being murdered in the streets, 8 o'clock curfew. Uh, they were shooting on site, and they, were, they even announced it. And, uh, you know, all the jeeps would, would, would go up and down the uh, uh, streets patrolling, and you could hear the uh, fifty caliber machine gun shells hitting the ground, you know, Correct. ping, ping, ping. And some of those kids would go out the next morning and we'd pick them up, and we made like little toys out of them or salt shakers and things, you know? Right. Uh, so I remember that, and that was a big turning point because um, I kind of saw how um, the radio lied and how uh, what was going on in the streets with the National Guards was very different. Right. Um, and then the third one, I And
0: think what, David, was, uh, at 1966, how old were
3: you? Oh, I was four, four, 13, 14, something like
0: that. Got it, right, 13, 14, got it. Yeah,
3: something like that. And— um, the third one was, I, I believe, my um, art art uh, uh, aspirations. Um, I was in um, art school, and I went to, you know, you have to do all these different uh, shows and things for prospective gallery people. And I found that um, some of the people that were the biggest art patrons at the Museum of Modern Art were the biggest real estate developers and, and, and <laughs> manufa- uh, manufacturers in Los Angeles. Right. And I had to rub shoulders with them and... Um, and I started to wonder, well, who am I doing this for? Am I doing this artwork for these guys, or am I doing it for, you know, my people? Right. And uh, it came to a head when I found out that many of them were involved in the Centropolis Master Plan, which was the major gentrification plan for Los Angeles, which was uh,
0: concocted
3: back in 1950s, right. uh, late 50s, with the ruling class of Los Angeles. And um, so when I found those kinds of things out, you know, all those things I think combined to kind of... Lead me and you know, steer me towards uh, changing the entire system, and not just uh, you know improving the Democrats, something of that
0: sort. <laughs> well, you know, David, when when uh, you know, often what happens is you have like individual moments of that consciousness, and then all of a sudden, an, an organization comes along with really cool leaders that express what you were thinking all along. They express it better. They express it more complicatedly. But you go, yeah, yeah, I already's there. I've been waiting for this. Like, where you've been all my life? Where was the first organization that came along for you that spoke to your experiences and your consciousness?
3: East Wind organization is uh, based in the Japanese American community. was a Marxist collective, and uh, right. you know, I, thought, uh, I thought it was uh, pretty cool uh, at the time. I was very young, and uh, uh, I joined that um, out of, well, I joined it, not just joined it, but I was working with a a good friend of mine at uh, a mental health institution organizing there. Um, As a, you know, as a worker, I was a low-level orderly there, and we were organizing a union. And at the same time, we were trying to actually uh, instill something called Asian American mental health, which was non-existent
0: at that time,
3: and uh, unfortunately, it's still non-existent. And uh, we, um, you know, it handled the majority of Asian uh, patients and clients in L.A. County were were sent there to that one place called West Haven Community Mental Health Center. Right, It was located in Chinatown. So when I was organizing there, that's when I became a part of East twins. It was uh, something that was, you know, you had to work shoulder to shoulder and fight together with somebody in the same foxhole for me to join something like that.
0: Yeah, you know, I was a nurse's aide and an operating room orderly, so we could have our talks, We, you know, all the working-class jobs we've had. Um yeah. What was the leap did, did, I think Mark Masoko is also in East Wind. Uh, did you all go into IWK from there? What was the process of, did you merge into IWK? How did that happen?
3: There are certain places, you know, organizationally, mergers happen top and bottom. Right. Um, you can't just have a bunch of people who are members and, you know, they all feel good and good about each other, so you just merge it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. You have to, you, have to um, you know, at least for several months or whatever, you got to, you know, kick the tires for each other right. and uh, see how each other is. It's kind of like dating, you know. And then um, you check off the, the markers, and uh, if they fulfill it, then you have more serious talks. But you have to work together. You have to work together at the bottom level. And then at the top, the leadership, you know, they got to talk about all your different beliefs and ideas and idiosyncrasies, and you try to figure that out. So it happens both from the top and from the bottom. It doesn't happen either one or the other. Uh, Sometimes the top is more important and urgent, and sometimes the bottom is more important and urgent. That depends on the conditions of the day, I believe. So, you know, that's that's how they operate. You have to work together, work out the kinks, because whatever you have on paper, you know, that doesn't make no difference. What makes a difference is when that stuff on the paper is implemented on the ground, that's when the differences actually show up.
0: Yeah, David. I mean, that's really important because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do some writing about these same things now. Uh, we have a similar trajectory. Like, you know, you meet somebody and you, you meet them and they say, uh, you say to somebody, uh, do you want to take on the Democratic Party? And they go, oh, absolutely. I've You know, I'm independent Democratic Party. I believe in socialism and imperialism, you know, fight against good. And you be black people, or absolutely black people oppressed. And then you see, okay, sounds good. And then they come in, the first thing they come in late. Then they got a bad work attitude. Then they start yelling at other community groups that were supposed to be allied with because they think, well, you said you're against imperialism, so let me fight with everybody in the community. So you realize there's so many elements to training a person. That can only take place in the in the normal practice, right? It's only when you watch somebody and you see somebody else who may not be as ideologically developed, but they're just a natural. They go out and they work and they knock on the doors, people like them. They do bring the ideas, they bring people back to the office, you know. So in the end, in our job, you know, I mean a salesperson's job, you know, that's so interesting, but how many things did you sell? And at the Strategy Center we have a thing called books, dollars and members which is, did you sell any books, did you raise any money, and did you bring any members in? And those are um, quantifiable benchmarks about whether or not you're accomplishing anything. So from there, you, you we all went into the League of Revolutionary Struggle, right? Why, why don't you tell me—I mean, we're sort of skipping IWK for a minute to go forward—but I'll tell you a thing about it, you know, you and I will discuss two elements of it. I, My wife, Leah, and I were in, you know, as you know, the August 29th movement. And for our listeners, they were what's called national inform, that is to say black, API in particular, and Chicano communist groups who believed in internationalism, who even believed in multinationalism, but felt that the first step was to unify the Asian Pacific Islander community, or organize the Chicano community to build enough of a base of Chicanos, Mexicanos around communism. And we all knew each other and all got along, it turns out, with each other. And the the third group was the Revolutionary Communist League that had previously been uh, Spirit House in Newark. So it came out of Amiri Baraka, the great Amiri Baraka, and Amina Baraka, and a, a whole group of very developed black workers, and, including Jamala Rogers, who's still organizing in the Organization of Black Struggle today, and me. So why was the LRS so interesting to you? Did you support the merger from the beginning? And tell us what it was like coming in through IWK. Well,
3: I was never a member of IWK. I was a member of East Wind, and it was one of the groups that... Uh, Dreams that formed the legal revolutionary struggle, uh, I was, and so.
0: So let me correct that, myself. So yeah. besides the merger of IWK, you came in directly into LRS, not through mm-hmm. IWK. That's correct. Uh, I want to just you clarify it. I want people to listen to that. So keep going. Go ahead, Dave, David. You're listening to David Moncala, uh, a long time, oh. very successful. Revolutionary in the Asian Pacific Islander movement, but also in the union movement, and he put together a terrific event that Strategy and Soul will tell you about.
3: Well, the one thing that drew me obviously was my friends because we I was local here in L.A., and I was organizing already in a local hospital, mental health hospital. So that was the group that I was working with, and you know they were very close to me because I knew people there from, from a long time ago. But I think in terms of intellectually, I, I liked the fact that the league was. Um, you know, mainly led by, uh, women. Many of them were women, the mm-hmm. leadership. Right. I like the fact that, um, there, you know, people of color were, um, uh, appeared to be the, um, driving force. Uh, and I, you know, I like the fact that, um, philosophy or the things that the words on the paper sounded like they really emphasized people like me that were people of color and, um, you know, people that worked, um, most of my life, most of my life, I didn't particularly like myself. I wasn't very confident. I didn't, you know, I felt like um, I didn't have money, I didn't have status, I didn't have none of that. So, you know, I didn't particularly care for myself. But when I read things about the working class and things of that sort in books, you know, I, I thought for the first time in my life I started thinking like, "Hey, you know, I have some pride in myself." So that was very important at the time, and uh, that's the reasons why I joined uh, LRS.
0: Well, stay a minute on that because you know. Uh, in the pedagogy of the oppressed by Frere and in the Wretch of the Earth, um, the issue of how colonization uh, undermines the confidence of the oppressed, right, making it difficult to even revolt, and how revolutionary organization is the key to raising people's awareness, self-esteem, and and fighting capacity. So, I know it wasn't one light going off but as it was very nice vulnerable what you said so if at a certain point you're not feeling good about yourself what what was the process of beginning to say hey wait a minute I am pretty good you know I am very valuable I'm needed and I, I want to go on a I want to go on a process of finding myself
3: well I think that ha- that happened with um, artwork I was telling you before. When I began, you know, I wanted to. Uh, when I first started doing artwork, I wanted to be rich. I wanted to have a convertible. You know, be a player. You know, um, and then when I discovered the type of people that I'd be making art for, if I were to take the gallery, you know, scene and all that, that's what really started making me thinking because that's what I wanted to do. You know, all my life, do artwork, but uh, this is the system is kind of preventing me from doing something like that. Right. You know, uh, because of uh, who they were, and when I found out that. Um, the developers were moving out of Little Tokyo, and one of my best friends, auntie, lived in Little Tokyo in one of those little apartments. She was right. a domestic servant right. for about 30 years. That's when I became personal. It was like, you know, for a long time I couldn't look in the mirror, you know, whether I was going to go one way and take the hard road or stick with my friend, my auntie, and fight gentrification in Little Tokyo.
0: What made you swing? Yeah. Which, how did you choose the, those choices?
3: My body chose it for me. I kept hanging around with the friends that I was with, and I kept reading stuff. I started reading stuff for the first time, and I never read much. You know, The only thing I ever read was comic scripts, you know, or James Bond books or something. That was not too much of that. But when I started actually reading stuff about, like, you know, U.S. imperialism and things of this sort, it started making sense.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you one more question, then we're going to uh, move on. But I, I also want to get you back again, David. Uh, fast forward to the amazing event we had, uh, Saturday night, uh, why don't you just describe the groups? I'll tell you some very quick observations as a guest, but you tell me about the groups and what was your intentions, what were your goals for the evening, and then I'll have a few thoughts and then you'll tell me what you, how you think it went, right? Your sum up of it, what you get out of it, but I'll tell you, it was a great consciousness raising event, so... Why don't you just tell our listeners what it was and what some of your goals were, and then I'll say a few things you do, and then we'll tie up.
3: Yeah, purpose of the evening. uh, First of all, let me tell you about the groups. The groups are um, um, one of the groups, major groups, is uh, Nation of Islam. I don't think I need to explain too much about the Nation of Islam, but one of the sisters, uh, uh, Amina, she's um, an Asian-American woman from San Francisco Chinatown, Herself, myself, uh, and I represented the Progressive Asian Network for Action (PANA) and the Neighborhood Safety Companions, a project of PANA. We do a street patrol in Koreatown, and um, AWA was a major player. Uh, Agents with attitude. They're in the Bay Area. Right. They're here in Bounce here in L.A. And I believe uh, New York has a few members. Um, and the whole purpose was to bring together, um, you know, these kind of seemingly not necessary (laughs) disparate groups, I guess, and, you know, and work together um, on a program where, um, you know, we can kind of exchange and start to break down some of these myths in the African-American and Asian communities, which prevent us from getting together and actually breed hostility, which is unnecessary myths such as, you know, um, you know, Korean store owners and Asian store owners are taking over everything in the ghetto and, you know, buying up nail salons and things of this sort and strangling, you know, m- black mom and pops. Or on the other side, you know, Asians thinking, uh, you know, uh, misinformed Asians thinking that the majority of hate crimes against Asians are committed by African-American home, uh, homeless people, right. you know, that type of thing. So on both sides, there's some myths and they're perpetrated by the system. And so we wanted to address some of those things that's going on right now and break them down so that uh, look at the bigger picture so we see what's really going on. And well, I thought that the evening, was, you know, it went, it went fairly well for the first time. This is the first time for AWA. It was the first time for uh, some of these people in uh, Pana. Uh, they are not uh, political people as we know them. They're people who want to do good. They're people who want to fight for unity. And that's kind of like where some of them are at right now. But, you know, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and one of the things uh, you're listening to, Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, kpfk.org, dot uh, org, ninety point seven FM in Los Angeles, ninety eight point seven FM in Santa Barbara. You can check it out on KPFK dot org. You can also check it out on Voices from the Frontlines dot com. Now, I'm going to be in studio all the time. Now, we try to be in every week. Uh, in return, I need letters saying Eric Mann, Eric, Eric had voices from the front lines. I like the show. I like this. I didn't like this. I will read your letters. I don't want to go to the phones because sometimes you don't know who's going to be on that phone. You get it. But this is a letters to Eric, and you get all your letters will be read regardless of the politics, okay? And I'd love to know that you're out there. So, David, what I would say is that you did more than pretty good. I mean, we had almost 85 90 people going through the day it held a hundred but you know secondly it went till you started at seven didn't get out to almost 11 because people wanted to be there yeah, people <laughs> you know what I mean no 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 that was great man right. that, it, right. no are you kidding no I was thrilled I stayed I mean there was great you know be, uh, bean pie and there were great Asian uh, uh, pastries and, and coffee and people were hungry for that interaction, and I want to, th- I say you you did a really great job. We talked to the Asians with az- attitudes. They got some coming in my book, Playbook for Progressives. I talked to Lander at the uh, Nation of Islam. I talked to Ishmael at the Nation of Islam. No, it was great, and I talked to you and Amina. So at the Labor Community Strategy and a Strategy in Seoul, mm-hmm. this Thursday, or this coming Thursday, the 30th of November, we're going to be having a film showing of the film Bus Riders Union, and we do hope that you and Amina can comment because the whole concept is if the Asians with attitudes start coming to the bus riders, and then the uh, you know the Pana people and the and the yes the Nation of Islam, we start creating like a community center of community conversation, and that's what we're trying to do. So David. Um, I, I just want to say you've had a phenomenal uh, career so far. And for people our age, I never want to talk about the past unless it's related to the future. So I still think you've got a lot of future ahead of you. I know I do. And let's keep talking. It's an honor to have you on the show. Well,
3: thank you very much, uh, Eric. And it's been an honor to be on, on your show. And uh, and kudos to you for all you've done and you know what you continue to do today.
0: All right, my brother, we'll stay in touch. That was the Everybody, voice of David Montkawa. Check him out. Uh he's also done some amazing work about Japanese black dynamics, where he moves with great facility between both communities and trusted in both communities. So we're gonna take a uh well, I'm gonna say, take a short music break, but I'll give the break, Gary. So I've been working on singing in case you don't know, and I sometimes been singing along with people and I didn't like that. Because it's if it's Jerry Butler, let Jerry Butler sing the song. So I've decided to take the next step, which is I'll either have Jerry Butler on, or I'll be on. So thanks to Chenny Martinez and thanks to uh, Julian Lamb, we have our own recording studio, and I'm about to play a song called "Perfect." It's uh, written by Ed Sheeran, dedicated to my wife Leanne, and let's hear how it goes. perfect tonight Well I found a woman Stronger than anyone I know She shares my dreams I hope that someday I'll share her home I found the love Carry more than just my secrets Carry love Carry children Of our own We're still kids But we're so in love Fighting against all odds I know we'll be alright It's time Darling just hold my and be my girl, I'll be your man I see my future in your eyes Baby, I'm dancing in the dark With you between my arms Barefoot on the grass Listening to our favorite song when I saw you in that dress Looking so beautiful I don't deserve this Darling, you look perfect tonight Baby, I Dancing in the dark With you Between our Baffled On the grass, Listening To our favorite song I have faith in what I see I know that I have met An angel In person She looks Perfect I don't Deserve this. You look perfect tonight. Not bad, Eric. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, regular Paul Anka there, ain't you? Okay, I'm trying. That's very nice. Um, yeah, I'm working on my own voice and trying to stay that you got your own voice and start singing it. And, you know, I'm very close with Channing Martinez and Julian Lamb, and the three of us are like brothers, and no, we are brothers. And I sing with them. You know, they both do the uh, audio, and we have our own studio. And I couldn't sing if I didn't feel their affection and support for me. You know, it's hard to sing into, eh. So that comes out of all three of us, and uh, that's our little production team. And thanks, Gary can have me on the show sometime. <laughs> it's a f- pleasure. Um, so that's very nice, actually. So 845. Now we're going to go to another voice from the front lines, my probably my favorite voice. His name is Channing Martinez. He's the director of organizing. So one of the things, if you see where the show is going, right, um, we're going to have music. We're going to have Amy Goodman's uh, headlines. You now my responses to Amy Goodman's headlines, which are because I'm out in the world organizing against the problems that she's mentioning, then we'll have a, a, a guest, uh, again somebody cool like Tafer Monkawa, who's actually doing great work, and then we'll always have Channing. So he is our special voice from the front lines, and he's not exactly he's still the co-host, but he's our man in the field out in the world in South Central. So good morning, Channing Martinez. How you doing?
2: Good morning.
0: Can you hear me? Yeah. How you doing, Channing?
2: Hello,
0: Channing. Can you hear me? Yes, I
2: can.
0: Okay. So, what's going on with you? You're out putting out a lot of fires. You're working. You see a lot of things. You're working both on the buses, the bus riders union. You're working in the high schools, with the strategy and soul uh, social justice clubs. You were telling me some of the pepper spray. I just heard the beginning. What's going on with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, what's going on is that the LAUSD, even after we have worked hard to defund the LA school police by about thirty five percent or twenty five million, and we've implemented this program called the Black Student Achievement Program of more than a hundred million dollars going towards black students. All of that is great. We're doing a lot of great work. The hesitancy is flipping the district from carrying out what we call colonial education, as, you know, and I know I'm going to say this, they're never going to carry it out, but as opposed to carrying out revolutionary education, um, which is what we want. Um, how does that look? Um, it looks like a hesitancy to fully defund the school police but also a hesitancy to implement community safety pilot programs. That means restorative justice folks, that means community workers, um, peacekeepers, et cetera. So in the midst of that hesitation, there's been all of these events happening on school campuses. One of them happened at a game, a basketball game between Roosevelt High School and Garfield High School and as always in high schools there's you know trauma that students are going through and they often erupt in fights or conflict so there was a fight at the end of this game in my opinion and in most opinions of all teachers and adults on campus you do not require the assistance of a school police to break up that fight in this case a school police officer intervened, and instead of de-escalating, he escalated um, the situation. And two students got pepper sprayed at the fight, um, and then the, the officer proceeded to pepper spray everyone that was around the fight. <clears throat> um, and then the officer followed two cheerleaders back to the car, who were attempting to leave the event and pepper sprayed them. Entered their car and then pepper sprayed them again.
0: All right. So what do we do now? Here's the situation. You're you are getting feedback. You're you know you and uh, Joseph Williams and uh, uh, Christian and others are Jan Williams are working to monitor a, an enormous twelve billion dollar budget that you have a hundred million million dollars to do. Now, what would you do now? So now you have this incident. What do we do?
2: Well, we, we have a few things that we've been working on. Um, number one is the Police for USD Coalition just came out with a report that not just outlines the problem, but says, in theory, these are the things that we want to see inside of schools that make a school safe. Not police. That's number one.
0: So, what would it look like? Um, what would the cha- What do you want in the school? Not police.
2: We want social workers in the schools. We need psychiatric social workers, right? You need academic counselors. Um, but in particular, with incidents, you need peacekeepers. Right. Um, I know that that's sort of like a anomaly for folks, but a peacekeeper is someone who. Basically, is going around campus, and they like their names as they keep peace, but more than that, they develop relationships with each student so that they already know when something is, has the possibility of erupting into a fight, and they can make the intervention even before it erupts to that point, right?
0: Yeah, and it's like what we were talking about, the community conductors on the train, is that Ninety-nine percent of the incident—if somebody breaks a bottle, somebody urinates in, on the floor, somebody gets into an argument—these are human conditions that an organizer can just say, "Okay, let's solve each one. We're not—we're not at war with each other." And God knows, Pep—you know—the the only crime seems to be committed was the pepper spray. Right. Exactly.
2: And, and even to their own point. I mean, uh, the district has their own rules around pepper spray, and even to their own rules, that officer by Right. Um, uh, the the biggest thing we want folks to do is we need your help in calling LAUSD school board members. Um, and you can find more information about that on our website, thestrategycenter.org. dot org. But in in that we're coming up on another budget. Um, cycle we're trying to get them to again defund the school police and finally listen to this they have about 30 million dollars of funds that are being set aside for community safety pilots right it's been a year and a half and they have not spent one one dime and so we need folks to call the board members to say that you know these safety pilots are so important to this program BSAP does not work unless you find an alternative to school police. That is the very reason why we created BSAP. Um Especially folks that are in the Valley, right, we need folks to call, um, I'm sorry, on the west side and northeast LA, we need folks to call Jackie uh, Goldberg. We need folks to call Nick Melvoin. We need folks to call all of their board members to ask them and, pr- and to tell them,
0: that we need these safety uh, community safety pilots. Well let's take a minute here, uh eight fifty two. We got a few minutes. Um so there's Jackie Goldberg on the board, there is uh Nick Melvoin. there's uh Kelly Gomez, right? Yeah. There is yeah. um uh so the, the uh, well, you tell Tanya us the other Ortiz, what?
2: Tanya Ortiz Franklin. Tanya
0: Ortiz Franklin, who's been very sympathetic. That's four. Yep. Uh,
2: There's George McKenna,
0: right? Who's
2: and, and then um, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Smurlson.
0: Right. So the question is, since you're trying to get five votes, you need four. You're trying to get five. Um. I think it's really important to call Channing first, you know, because if you call Channing at 213-387-2800, if somebody takes the, the message, we have really good message takers now, folks, so they'll get all the facts and call you back because we want your relationship first to be us. See, if you call a board member alone, they'll go, yeah, yeah, thank you, we took your call. But if after you talk to us and we give you a little fact sheet and you know, you'll say, wait a minute, I want the Black Student Achievement Program to have a, from $100 million to a $200 million budget. We do not want the police. We want the peacekeepers, you know, and he would work with you to get you ready to actually talk to a board member and call that board member. So, you know, usually it's the... Uh, 818 number for Pacifica. Here we're saying the 213-387-2800. You could ask for, always start with Channing Martinez. You could talk to Barbara Lott-Holland. You could talk to Aurea Blakely. You could talk to Julian Lamb, though they are almost all. You could talk to uh, Emily Zamora. Talk to somebody and lay out the experience if you haven't had the experience, but you care about it. Call us, and if you had had the experience of colonial education, that especially the mistreatment of Black and Latinx students, call us because we have the energy to bring those to the board. Uh, Channing, aren't you working on one? Aren't you working on about eighteen other projects? Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> why don't you tell us one more you're working on that you think is interesting? And Gary, how many more minutes we got? Three. Oh, we got four. Okay, let's do this. Sure. What's uh, the next project thing. you're working on?
2: Yeah, the other thing we're working on is an uh, update on the state of the buses uh, on Metro, right? Um, and we are putting together, meaning you, me, um, and this young woman, Araya Blake, um, are putting together five facts that we can know about the MTA, um, and going to be a really important document that first goes to the mayor, Mayor Bass, um, and then will be put out on our website wide so everyone knows these facts. Um, Spoiler alert, they show that the Metro has continuously over the last 20 years robbed the bus system to build this train system from a mostly white uh, passenger ship. Um, Not only that, it shows that the money that you're actually putting in the fare box it's barely even a percent of their budget. And so in, in many ways, they're just pun- punish black and Latin passengers knowing full so well that they can pay public transportation with a drop of the bucket.
0: We'll leave you there because we have a caller I want to get in for a minute. So if you want to learn about film, you want to learn how to run a theater, you want to go organize, you want to know about IT and technical stuff, you want to figure out how to, if you lost a file. Call Channing at two one three, three eight seven twenty eight hundred. He can solve everything. Channing, thank you for everything. I want to get one caller on for a minute. You're on Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Front Lines. Your National Movement Bill Show, Bill. What's happening?
4: Hey, how you doing? I, I, I knew uh, Jackie Goldberg. You know, she was a radical of my parents' generation. Right. You know. Um uh, you know, or a self-professed radical, but now she's part of the district. You know, now she's on the board, and the thing about it is that, uh, you know, being determines consciousness. Now she's on the side of the class line. So to get her to uh, to come and understand what the what the nature of the state is, the police, right, right. armed bodies of uh, armed bodies of people that are thugs for the ruling class. I think I think that's that's a, a little bit Pollyannish to say it nicely. The the unions need to say cops out of the unions, right? The unions need to resolve their actual contradictions to say cops out of the campuses or teacher control, teacher and worker and parent and student Bill, control.
0: Bill, I want to hold it there because I, I it's really good, and I want to say the last word because we got a minute. Bill, I think you have to understand that Jackie Goldberg <clears throat> is a voting member of the board, and she vote under our organizing to cut the police by uh, 35%. Jackie Goldberg has voted very well on some things and not so on things. Every one of those board members needs to be organized, and we are getting the UTLA supported a 50% cut. So what I'm agreeing with you, but let me put it a different way, you build a relationship with Jackie Gober. You build a relationship with Cecily Myers, uh, who's now the cruise, who's now the head of the uh, UTLA. You build relationships, not just criticize people. But I liked all the criticism you were raising, Bill. So, folks, thanks for listening. We're going to go do some outro music with uh, Julian Lamb. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll do another song for you next week. Uh, get our emails at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. Go on the website. You're gonna have Monday night email. I'll see you next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Wake up and smell the revolution.